Welcome to the Cause-Oriented Efficiency Podcast. This is David Blaine, host and author of Cause-Oriented Efficiency. Uh, This episode was recorded almost a year ago, exactly. And uh, it was actually in a response sort of podcast format where a friend of mine and I were having long discussions over using uh, podcasting formats, recorded audio, that sort of thing. Um, To try to give it a little context, I had talked to my friend a lot about the need for a better support system for the rights of the individual. And in this conversation, you'll kind of hear me spitball some ideas and why I, I think this is necessary. And I think it's a helpful solution um, to the problems that we're seeing in society and there's not really one cause for them so the solution is somewhat abstract in that there's no direct relationship with a problem one single problem Um, and the more I discover about this solution the more I hope to uncover about the the cause or the problem itself. So that being said, it doesn't fit into my methodology perfectly, but it does open up the discussion quite well and summarize a general feeling many of us have out there and who pay attention to things at a more high level or maybe more meta level. And This is episode three of the Cause-Oriented Efficiency podcast. If you want to learn more, please visit coefficiency.org where you'll find links to the different podcasting places for your iPhone or Google phone, those sort of things. You'll also be able to uh, contact me or figure out other ways to discuss things. I look forward to hearing your feedback and of course always would be grateful for five star review if you think it's worth five stars and a comment from you always is helpful or a tweet or a Facebook message something like that much appreciated and now the episode alright um, this is a, an attempt to describe sort of where I left off with the idea about um, human rights as superpowers. Um, And I think what I would describe it as is sort of this idea just surrounding all the different trends in progress in, in sync with Western values and globalization and some of the other things that are happening in relation to where we came from since 1776 and how we perceive ourselves to have rights uh, as individuals in the the modern sense. And I don't think my idea is really an idea that's sparked because I came up with it or have come up with it but I think what I'm realizing is that 
we need a way to describe what we've what we're doing how we're already acting and maybe thinking ahead to sort of avoid potential catastrophe in in certain areas of of right um, individual in protecting individual rights and sovereignty and so by saying that I think there's just too many areas and I of, of why this is important and also where these these rights would become threatened or have already become threatened to mention them uh, in a list but let's let's use the illustration I, I brought up last time as the society we lived in has created for lack of a better illustration a, a, a room we have inadvertently, let's say we, in, in the office building that is Western society, we have found a new, uh, new hallway or, or room, I guess you could say. It's just a, an empty room. We don't really know how big it is, uh, how deep it could go, um, but we know that within there there's a nugget of gold that we need to, we need to find. And I think that's sort of a how we need to think about what we're managing, how we're managing, I guess you could, it's sort of like managing risk. You, there's all this uncertainty presenting itself continually. And if we think about sort of what the Constitution was, and is, is the Bill, in the Bill of Rights too, is a, an attempt to, to predict what future problems we will have as individuals and how to protect those how to protect ourselves from our future selves and um, I think it does a good job and it outlines some of the critical components and there might be so it's basically very very basic it's life liberty and, and the pursuit of happiness so there's a couple things that I think can logically fit into those categories, and that is um, <clears throat> increasingly I do feel maybe that healthcare could be a piece of of that puzzle in terms of protecting your individual sovereignty by not allowing things of harm to come upon you but um, I think the only issue with that is just how that works because it's not self-evident that there is somebody to to provide those to provide that security or that uh, protection even if it were promised I, I don't know that they could actually fulfill the duties right I mean it's it's such a complex topic. So let's not think too deeply about that one in particular. I think that one is one worth striving towards, but in delivering it as a promise, I don't think is really a, a necessary component yet. Um, what is a necessary component is already part of what I think it is what it's called to be uh, individual, an, an individual. An individual controls himself 
or herself consciously, um, even if there is arguments against that, we have to accept that premise in order to accept any of the premises of freedom. So, you know, that, that's in order to be, in order to exist in a Western or any, probably any society really, is to accept that first point that we need the ability to choose. So as part of that, um, the ability to choose and then having every choice that is made being built into your continued evolution as a, in your life, I think is, is a part of your individual sovereignty because it makes up the, the being which will continue to exist and go through the world. So that being said, there are ways in which companies and governments can track your actions, right? They have behavioral tracking software or surveillance, those sort of things that essentially produce data about you to create a profile about you, which is essentially an extension of yourself. Um, and whether or not they are creating this data from its primary source data, which like, for example, if you are, if you are making a purchase, let's say, it's not only that they would track that you made that purchase, let's say you bought a, a house, but if they track that purchase and then make predictions based on that data, then that is also part of you. Uh, and I think that is true because without you, they don't have the data. They may have, they may have aggregate data or anonymous data, um, but their ability to use that data would not be um, possible without the existence of an individual sample. So that being said, the protections that we might need to be thinking about are already taking place as a reaction to these behavior surveillance things taking place. And what this would do is build into our, what I, what I mean, and this is basically covering two of the very potentially vast, or one of the very vast subjects of, of what it is to, to be an individual. That we are getting away further from being able to control what is, um, how we are Mm, the external factors ab about us. So basically our, our environment in which we want to interact will exponentially grow. So like your, your data will exist all over the world simultaneously. Predictions about your life will exist simultaneously. Surveillance about your life will, um, exist and grow pre more even more prevalent 
I don't think these are going away, but as part of some of these protections I think we need, I, I think it would be one of the greatest foundational, key foundational pieces of any new society or any future society to start with remembering that there is no society without the individual and that we, if we don't protect ourselves as individuals, um, we lose autonomy and our ability to choose whether we lose that autonomy will, will be quickly uh, lost as well. So what needs to happen, I think, is some sort of bill of, of, of rights that makes it so hard for any government or any, even outside of our own governments, because that, that's already going to be a problem too. But any big businesses, any thieves, any anybody like that to be able to access and or surveil you without your knowledge to start, it would be severely punishable. Um, also, you should be able to have a value structure for being accept being able to accept your the price that you would be okay exchanging your data for. And each data point that is created based on you must be reported into a central repository for all companies, all governments, that sort of thing. This is These are just brainstorming ideas. I don't know to what extent we need to get to, but these, these are some of the ones that I've thought. Because in order to give individuals back the superpower I think that there are fewer and fewer ways that any individual can do much. But what we can do is make it so difficult for any one entity to bypass these rules that it becomes such a a mountain to climb for them that they would steer away from it so quickly that it at least slows down any of the tyrannical type of powers that could to grow too monolithic. Um, so that's you know one of the premises to the thing is not necessarily just the data sets that we create, but the idea of having superpowers. This might be one of the, the aspects. And I think it's definitely one of the major trends that I follow that concerns me the most is that while it will probably be out, there are probably endless amounts of data points that we are creating constantly, that the genius will be the person who can somehow tie all that back to you, and you're the only one that can, that can own it. 
it's like a new form of property too. I, I, that could be one way of thinking it is that no one can own your your property because you're you're you, and so you don't have to prove that. It's sort of this like um, one of those truths we find self-evident is that you are your own property. So like you you own things as long as they don't interfere with other people's things or themselves. So it's sort of that, um, you know, if you're out in the open and you're, you're talking, your speech is yours until uh, it interferes with someone else's or something like that. I don't know how that would all work, but it's something about essentially the same laws we have now for some of the properties that exist and being able to tie it back to self, yourself as property. Um, one of the reasons as well that we might think of this as important is when we think about physics is becoming more and more complicated to that it, time needs to not be a factor. So not only is your, your life valuable because you live between 0 and 100 and all the data points that you create along the way are there. But there's also, um, there used to be a concept of being dead and then things end, so like intellectual property has a, a standard time before it expires, that kind of thing. But should, should we end up living for a long time? What, what does that mean? Do we, you know, do we always own our own IP? Do we always own our ideas? At what point does, do ideas become public domain? Um, the idea of capital will change too, so we may not even need IP to, to encourage innovation as much. Um, so there, there's a lot of different ways to think about this. I mean, there's, um, there's a lot of things that could go here, but what I'm essentially trying to get back to here is like, we're going so fast in one direction that we've, there's not a, a static document that at least attempts to capture what, what we are, what is self-consciousness and what is worth protecting about that. And what, why do we have individual sovereignty? And what does individual sovereignty imply? Sort of like we find truths to be self-evident. If we were to read, we were to bring Je Thomas Jefferson and all the other founders back into the room, how would we rewrite this in modern times to say we'd find these truths to be self-evident and that not Facebook <laughs> does not own your data, for example? Or you can't clone, you can't make a clone based on my DNA without <laughs> a lot of stuff to happen before. Um, so there's also that. There's also information accelerating. So you, if I had to give you an example, an example being, let's say, terms of service for a website. We have them. Anybody can throw up a website. Anybody can basically make a service that, I mean, I used a service today, which cropped and compressed an image within five seconds 
of you of a website I've never heard before. I used it. I didn't even think about it. Um, if you rewind the clock, um, let's say a hundred years, and let's say that picture was a painting, and I needed it resized and reframed. I would have to walk into town. I would have to exchange with a framer, paint some sort of person that does that, and there would be some sort of official business carried out, and the transaction would take place. With the free transactions, the costs aren't immediately apparent. There's no, usually people like me throw up websites without even thinking what the legal implications are. There's not really any set protections for all that. But people will still use terms of services and they'll still use privacy policies and they'll still use these blank standard templates that if you think about it, no one's going to read that stuff. Even if you tell them every little bit of your website and how it works, no one's actually knows. And some of the time when you accept these terms of service, it's in the most inconvenient times. Let's give an example of like if you're just in a car wreck and you have to download a Google, Google Maps to see where you're located. Before you even can use it, sometimes they have little things pop up, or even just by using the app itself, you've agreed just to use the service, you've agreed to certain things that, because you're in an accident, you don't care what they say. So there's no way to monitor that, and that is a scenario where those kind of things need to be simplified because it's as long as we're in a competitive environment with other countries and other places like that, we, we can't really afford not to let innovation like this happen. So in order to continue, we need to rebalance the expectations on the individual to be a lot less. Because even if you have an IQ of 165, you can't stop to read Facebook's terms of service in order to use it because your family's on there or something like that. So they've sort of crossed into this this lane to people call it being measured as a utility and you could call it that but I think we need to think of utilities in the same way where they can't extort individuals because baked into this superpowers of rights of, of, individual sovereignty, then you can't, you couldn't think of, of crossing the line of the individual. Um, essentially what it means is basically people who, who are, it would reward people who are extremely innovative and will do all these sort of things correctly and it'll discourage people who are malicious. Um, that's the intent. And so that the minimal effort involved is sort of key here because setting up large institutions to control these things take time and we don't have time. All we have are, we, we know that we're essentially all saying the same thing that 
there's a lack of clear foresight about what it's going to mean to be an individual in the coming years. That's what we know. And if we know what we can decide as a country or as, an, as a global human race, well, it's acceptable. I think things move quicker and we just, we actually, um, we put a lot of things to rest that would actually get things moving faster. Maybe some companies go out of business and that, that sort of thing, but I think that would actually be good for the world to have that those distinctions made now so that as we progress even more that there's just less incentive to, to think about going those ways. Uh, I think that's enough summary for now. You know, like I said, there's just too much. I think the idea that we really need to think about the future and bake that into the current situation is going would require some of the brightest minds in the world to convene people from genomics, people from Silicon Valley and tech startups to physicists to other kinds of science that maybe we don't even understand. Philosophy too, because I think philosophy is, will always be the, you know, until we, we know what, what quote unquote God is, then we don't really know what these truths we find self-evident, where those come from. So anyway, um, I think that's it, but I'll leave it at that for now and uh, await your response.